On this episode of the Tech on Tap podcast, we bring in Customer One to talk about NetApp on NetApp. And finishing up Insight 2015 Vegas, Glenn shares a little bit of the interviews he did with the NetApp A-Team. Episode 12 is all about NetApp A-Team and Customer One. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Pedro Arrow, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast, episode number 12. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me as always is... Are you ready, Glenn? I'm ready. Hit it. <laughs> joining me as always is... The man who inspired the title of my book, How to Castrate a Bull, oh, you Glenn kidding me. Sizemore. <laughs> you are kidding me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave Hitz likes the Tech on Tap podcast and insisted on doing a Glenn greeting. What do you think about that? I, I'm i just going to sit over here a little bit. That, okay, sure. Yeah. Glenn, Glenn is literally blushing right he now. Is. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's, that's strange, yeah. Well, no, it, uh, listen, I'll be honest. Uh, Dave Hitz's book, uh, you know, I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but I won that thing through a NetApp community contest many, many, many years ago. And reading that book uh, very much is responsible for, for me working at NetApp, like learning about from his point of view, what NetApp was and, and how this company is to be operated and, you know, what its mission was played a large part in me deciding to come here in the first place. So, yeah, I'm a little beside myself. That was a little weird. Uh, thank you, Mr. Hitz. That's, that's, that was awesome. Well, don't thank him yet, because he did more than one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Brace yourself. Here's number two. The man with the face for radio, Glenn Sizemore. <laughs> I love that man so much. <laughs> and it was so funny, because uh, Dan Isaacs and I, I, I got to give Dan props. He was the one that was uh, helping us and coordinating, as always, but then we were talking about the fact that you do FlexPod, and I put, a, put away the recorder, and you know we were having a couple of minutes, and Dave goes, I got one more. Let's do one more. And I was like, well, okay, here we go. And so he did this one, and I figured I'd save it for last. Glenn Sizemore, the man who puts the odd into FlexPod. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I so. approve. <laughs> Finally, he approves. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, sitting next to you, as always, is a dashing young man, Andrew Sullivan. Sully, how you doing, buddy? I am great. How are you today, Pete? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, we Interesting episode this week. We have we already have content recorded for the entire episode, so we're just going to put a wrapper on this. Uh, Glenn, you were out of town th- this week doing some stuff with NC State. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we have a, we, a relatively new program at NetApp. I, I think it's going on its fourth or fifth year now. But uh, we partner up with uh, NC State. NC State has this thing they call the Business Innovation Consortium. It's about a four to five month long event uh, with, with a couple of periods where we go on campus and, and spend time with the NC State team there. And, and it, it's a program that is structured about how do you innovate in the 21st century in a modern company? Like, Because it's not as simple as having an idea. Ideas are cheap. Everyone has ideas. It's, it's about how do you actually execute on an idea? What are, what are the, the methodologies and techniques that are required to take something from thought to you know, shipment, yeah. which, which is where it actually matters? So, so I, I lost two days this week. Uh, it was a great time. I learned a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'll be gone again in December, and then we've got some more stuff later this week. As I said, it's a long-running thing, but uh, I, I'm, I don't quite know how I got on the list, <laughs> but well. uh, I'm just thankful to, to be part of the program. It's, it's, it's actually really, really cool. 
And so while you were gone, Sully and I had the opportunity to bring in a couple of guys from Customer One, and I'll play that for you now. We're excited to welcome to the podcast some folks that work here in our NetApp IT. We'll start with the director of Customer One, Mike Morse. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. And sitting next to you is a storage architect by the name of Stetson Webster. Stetson, welcome to the podcast. Howdy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so the inside scoop on Stetson, I don't know if you know this, Sully, but we do a lot of uh, executive briefing centers, and he's always, I always find myself sitting in the back of the room when he's presenting, and he has a very colorful personality. He's very, he's much like Neto in the sense that he's very passionate about NetApp, and so we've been bugging this guy to be on the podcast for a long time. So I think this is his first time to come on, but it certainly will not be his last. So Stetson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So we're going to talk about customer one today, and we're gonna, and for those of you that don't know what that means, if you listen a few weeks back, we had Customer Zero in, which was our engineering group, uh, talking about the VDI deployment. But Customer One is, is a totally different animal, and, and, and I, I won't spoil it for you. I'm going to ask Mike. Mike, if you could explain to us, what is Customer One at NetApp? Yeah, so Customer One at NetApp is part of the IT organization uh, where we actually run day in, day out, the uh, infrastructure that runs all our critical business applications. So, of course, the storage team, uh, but also our compute and virtualization, our networking and our data centers, and our hybrid cloud are all part of the Customer One organization. So we run uh, enterprise-class applications like auto support, the support site, our exchange environment, our ERP environment, SAP, all those critical applications run on our infrastructure as high-uptime uh, enterprise-class infrastructure. On top of that, though, my charter is to adopt and use NetApp products as early as possible to fill those infrastructure needs. So trying to adopt our storage as soon as possible, trying to adopt ONTAP as soon as possible, using our tools as soon as possible to be customer one, and then provide feedback to either our product organization or our support organization on how those products are operating. Yeah, the way I'd like to break it up is that uh, customer zero, the engineering IT, those guys are they're, they're drinking their own champagne, so to speak, right? As soon as those guys compile the code, they're implementing it somewhere. Yep. And you guys are waiting until it's more like a alpha, beta quality, and then implementing it. It's a good way to describe it. I, I kind of use that metaphor also, is that they're using it before it's publicly available. Uh, we, as customer one, since we're enterprise IT, we need vendor support. And NetApp support will not support products until it's publicly available. So as soon as the product becomes publicly available, that's when my team gets involved. Uh, we try to be adopting the product as soon as possible. In some cases, like ONTAP versions, we've gotten to a point where day one, when it's released publicly, we will start installing in our environment. Other new products, maybe new hardware, comes a little later, have to reevaluate it, but we try to be the first customer. But it is always after it becomes public release, whereas customer zero is running before it's publicly released. Gotcha. No, that's fantastic. I'm I would love to know how many bugs you guys have filed. <laughs> uh, last I looked, uh, 128, I think. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's just over the last three years, uh, we've been, and we track that as part of our metrics in Customer One. So, how do you? Um, so, this is the entire IT department for NetApp, right? So, everything that we're on our SharePoint sites and all of our all of our files, Exchange, everything. This is run by your department, right? Yeah. So, all the infrastructure that supports those business applications are part of Customer One, uh, and then the application team is a separate part of IT. But I see them as my internal customer as those application teams are using the infrastructure, they're using the storage, the compute, the data centers, the networks, those type of things. So that's my primary customer, I use that in quotes, uh, that I'm using, I'm, I'm supporting with the infrastructure we run. On top of that, I'm trying to adopt NetApp products as soon as possible to run those applications. Okay. Yes. So, so if we needed to be a business, it's you guys. If we needed to write code, it's customer zero. Customer zero, yep. Gotcha. That makes sense to me. So Stetson, how do you fit into this picture? So I'm part of the um, NetApp on NetApp group, which is a sister group to the Customer One organization. So 
I do a lot of the um, EBCs, um, and I'm, I'm somewhat of a, a spokesperson for Customer One. I also do have a, a role in Customer One as uh, working with the tools um, service line. So um, OCI is a is a major play um, for my responsibilities, as well as other tools like OPM and Unified Manager and the integration, how those tools and integrate in the enterprise um, with other tools for ticketing and, and, and alerting and whatnot. So, and I'm very vocal about that throughout the um, the organization. I also work with other peers who may have a, a story, um, but may not realize that they have a story. So when I do events like this, for example, or speaking with other people, I, and I can get feedback from you know what type of interest they may be, then I will work with my other peers in Customer One to make sure that you know they get a voice and, and we present that to customers and share that story. Okay, so you tickled me with on-command insight. So one of the things I hear a lot about on-command insight is it's really awesome, but it's like, uh, but it, but there are free tools that do very similar things, and so I'm I'm, I'm poking the bear here a little bit. But uh, what's your response to that? Sure. So the, the key differentiator with on-command insight and the other tools, like, for example, OPM is a very um, common um, comparison. Um, OPM does an outstanding job of doing a deep dive into the elements of cluster data on tap for troubleshooting. Um, the assumption, however, is that that's where your starting point is and that's where you want to end. Where OCI comes into play is OCI starts a lot longer and a lot earlier in the life cycle. So now you can come up with things, like queries like architecture and, and, and pricing and sizing and all of that stuff. And you can really follow the whole ITSM lifecycle of the storage service with something like, like OCI. So they're somewhat complementary of each other. Um, OCI would, would also do performance on 7 mode and, and other third-party um, non-NetApp storage as well. Ah. Um, but when it comes to a deep dive doing performance analysis um, on CDOT, um, OPM is, is, is going to be the, the, the ultimate solution for that because of how deep it can go. Makes sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting the way the portfolio is really evolving, right? And you know, OCI is an incredibly powerful tool, particularly, and, and I think it's, uh, it's not unusual, or maybe it is unusual, that NetApp being NetApp, right? We're a single storage uh, uh, consumer, right? We only consume from one, one vendor ourselves. But I think most of our enterprise customers are not like that. You know, most people have more than one storage vendor, and OCI is an incredibly powerful tool for getting that information, right, and homogenizing it across the vendors and presenting it in a really useful way. And I know I've I've heard your talks before. I've heard your EBCs, and I know you gave some presentations at Insight, and it's just amazing the amount of information you can get out of that and really put it to good use, turning, turning raw data into actionable intelligence. Yep. Certainly, yeah. the hottest demo at VMworld this year was it was on command insight. I mean, that was uh, I forget the gentleman's name, Mike something. He was running that on command insight demo, and he literally had a crowd around him the entire week. <laughs> yeah, the, the way I, um, the analogy that I have for for on command insight is it, it's at the point where the the, the geek, or the storage geek actually earns his MBA, and now he can start having these business conversations about the, the, the metrics that he's looking at. Um, you know, you, you don't want to be doing deep dives into all of these metrics just for the sake of dwelling in that current state. You, you want to derive some type of business decision, and the business decision needs to be measurable 
measurable by that S with the line through it, the dollar sign. Sure. Right? So, so, so that that is that is the, the the that's how you prioritize. That is how you gauge impact in in today's world, and that is what cloud is all about. Is it is just the the, the monetization um, of of technology. And we're using on command insight in, in in customer one. Absolutely, extensively. Yeah, it's it's the primary tool we use now to manage our performance capacity environment. And we integrate it with our ServiceNow platform for inventory management across uh, with our CMDB. So it's become a critical storage management tool for us. Yeah, I, and I know you guys have a pretty interesting way of deploying storage inside of Customer One, right? Where you purchase in blocks based on different requirements. Can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So, so what we've done is we, we've actually participated um, in a workshop with um, Evan Miller and his team, with the service design team. So we've actually been able to use um, on-command insight to 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 measure the um, the density of I/O that we have throughout the entire infrastructure. Okay. And then what we do is we we organize our storage, or our service levels based on that, and it's it's fact based. So so the sizing is not just you know sticking your thumb in the air and just measuring where the wind is blowing. Sure. We we, we actually use measurements based on existing workloads. Yeah, I, I know one of the, you know, I've, I've chatted with Evan before, we've had some uh, some interesting conversations, and one of the things that always sticks out to me is islands, isolated IOPS, or isolated capacity, because you're out of one metric or the other. and yeah. stranded. Yeah, and, and you know, Mike, I hope you don't take offense to this, but I know you're a director, which means that, um, Probably shifting from technical over to kind of the business side. Is How there, dare you? I know. I know. <laughs> well, and, and I'm unique. I came to storage as a manager, so my technology gotcha. background is networking. Um, but yeah, so I came to storage as a manager. So I have a kind of a unique perspective that I've always been a manager when dealing with storage. That's a very good point that you brought up, though, Mike. Um, coming from the networking realm, because I think that there, there there is an intersection now in the current state in in, in what we're doing in in storage. Um, particularly around how we, 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 we how we we employ um, QoS because the the common perception now in the storage industry is that something like QoS is actually going to limit performance and it's going to you know we have these very fast systems like all flash faz and how do we go about putting a QoS policy to to shoot ourselves in the foot so to speak and limit our performance. So, so coming from a network infrastructure, when QoS was brought into play in the network industry, when when it became the way in which to scale and prioritize workloads um, in any infrastructure, whether be it at the WAN or at the uplink, what controversy was there, and and how did you deal with that? And then how might there be some parallelisms in the storage industry doing that today? Yeah, when QoS ever get started any technology, including like networking years ago, it's very much a protection mechanism against other workloads. And so it turns into kind of a rate limiter is protect other workloads from being bullies or anything like that. As it matures, though, it becomes into a guarantee of service uh, and, difference, yeah. and a shaper of services so that you always are ensuring quality. And there you go, QoS, you get the quality of service that you're expecting. You're not just protecting services from each other. Yeah. So I think that's as, you saw that as networking matured from rate limiting into like class-based weighted fair queuing and those type of technologies, you actually could provide an, a guarantee of quality for all the network traffic into different queues that then you enforce with the technology. As storage moves into that, it's not really, like I said, limiting the ability of the high-end storage like all flash faz. 
it's the ability to guarantee a certain level of service and quality that people are expecting, regardless of the underlying hardware. Yeah, and uh, I think that kind of ties back into the question I started to ask a minute ago, which is, you know, I I'm sure you're able to quantify, right, using that metric that, that Stetson mentioned earlier, right, the S with the line through it, right, just how much, right, leveraging QoS, right, eliminating those stranded pools of, of capacity or IOPS, and really being able to capitalize on all of the available resources in your storage systems. Yeah, that's important uh, for two reasons. One is that we're trying to change the conversation with the application teams, I again, my customers, is that they've gotten very used over the years to saying, well, I need SaaS with this much storage, or, sure. I, need, or I need Flash with this much, and then we'll try to argue, well, how about SATA? And then, okay, well, we'll take some SATA. Um, we're trying to change the conversation now, so they start thinking about, no, we just need this level of performance with this much space. And then we, regardless of the technology we provide, we provide them that level of performance, which is guaranteed by the QoS. And underlying that, then we can, with Cluster Downtap, we can move the workloads around transparently to place them in the right hardware uh, technology. And it removes the stranded capabilities then. Because if we have resources in another part of the cluster that's not being used, we can move those workloads around transparently and get the full advantage of all the technology in the cluster, not limited to a single pair. Yeah, and then I'd say that truly becomes infrastructure as a service. You know, I mean, I think that is the goal for every IT department is to have IT as a service, but to also you're providing infrastructure to, uh, to your customers as a service. And so it doesn't matter if they have a specific type of drive as much as they have a level of performance that, that, that their workload requires. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're telling them, this is the service level I'm going to give you in performance capacity. Don't worry about the underlying hardware. We'll, we'll guarantee that through QoS, and then we'll provision the correct hardware to ensure we have the capabilities you need. I'm just curious. Are you guys using policies? like uh, with? Uh, in, in, I know we have a VMware environment. So are we using uh, storage policies to manage any tiers of service? Yeah, so the way we're actually doing that is um, actually using uh, the adaptive QoS scripting from Evan Miller. Okay. And um, so today, um, the, the two ways to implement that, one is with a Perl script running on a Linux host, and another way is to actually deploy that through WFA. Um, what um, customer one would like to do, and we have begun the, um, the process of that, is to, to be more vocal with our product ops team to, to see how we might actually get that in, you know, inherently embedded into our tools. Um, WFA is one place, um, OPM may be another place, um, and you know, m explore opportunities where we may be able to, to do that into, in, in, in um, cluster data on tap itself. But you know, we have to make the case for it, and you know, it has to be. They have to be convinced that it, it is something that is a viable solution. The common roadblock um, or perception is, why would we want to take our fastest all flash fast and put a QoS policy on that? And that's that's something to to, to convince to overcome. Oh, and I think what the conversation we have with because nothing is free, even internal IT, is you get in a conversation, as you were mentioning before about the costs, is that the conversation you want to have with application teams is say, okay, well, we've guaranteed you this service that you're paying ostensibly for that level of service. Uh, you're not really concerned about the hardware underneath. Now, it may be all flash fast, but because we're providing that guarantee of service, you're going to get that level that you pay for. And if you'd like to go beyond that, we're happy to provide, move the, to that higher end service, oh, yeah. but it's going to cost more. Now, that gets to the service provider model that Evan worked on with Stetson and Eduardo and other people in, in the team, so that we're really changing the conversation is that they're not concerned about the underlying hardware. Because then, yeah, they say, well, why are you slowing me down? Because I've got Flash. No, 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 you, you're in this, this is the model you chose that we that worked with you on to determine this is where you fit. Yeah, yeah You've got Flash, you just don't have cash. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we should use that, that's good. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> 
I talk about SLAs in a couple of my different sessions uh, at Insight, and you know, SLAs are they're an agreement, they're a contract between right the provider and the consumer, and it's one of those things of it. It's a baseline, right? You get this much, but not more than this, and I think that it's important to uh, to make that differentiation and ensure that customers understand that. Well, as you mentioned, right, nothing's free, yeah. right? And if you really legitimately need that higher performance level, well, it costs us more money, yep. IT more money, so it, it needs to cost you more money or we can't sustain this. Exactly, and that maps into the hybrid cloud world too because if you do end up going through a hybrid cloud but being placed on a public cloud like Amazon or something, you're going to get what you pay for. Yep. Uh, and if you want more performance, that's Amazon would be happy to provide that or Azure or whatever, but it's going to cost more. So we need to apply that same model to internal IT so we can keep our costs uh, in line. I completely agree. So um, I'm really glad you brought up the hybrid cloud. Um, you know, that was something that was a big theme at Insight this year, and I know you guys have a really great implementation. Can you uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we, uh, as we're Net Customer One, we're trying to align to the NetApp corporate model for hybrid cloud. And if you look at NetApp strategy for hybrid cloud, it includes three types of clouds. You have your cloud service providers like CenturyLink or Rackspace or Verizon, those type of companies. Uh, then you have your hyperscale environments like Amazon and Azure. And then you have your private cloud, which is a, comport, a portion of your own data center, which is enabled or automated through hybrid cloud technologies. And we've built our model that way. So we have a cloud service provider with CenturyLink. Uh, we have a hyperscale with Amazon. We've just recently brought Azure onto our portal also. And we've both of those two hyperscalers are connected to NetApp private storage. And then inside our own data center, we've built two new FlexPods using FlexPod ACI and AllFlashFaz as our private cloud. And then how we automate that then from a delivery perspective, we have an end user portal, which is in ServiceNow. So ServiceNow is our end-to-end -end IT management platform. We do change, problem, incident management, CMDB in there. And it's also an end user portal. So anyone like you guys, if you want to order a new PC or new software, you go to ServiceNow. That same end user portal is the hybrid cloud portal too. So you go to the hybrid cloud portal, you can put your information in your cost center because we track the costs. Uh, you answer a series of questions so we can determine what is the right cloud to route your workload to. And then you choose what you want. Do you want Linux? Do you want Windows? You choose your storage, what kind of storage you want and how much you need. And then a workflow is kicked off that from ServiceNow that communicates to our cloud management platform. And the cloud management platform has all the blueprints for the different cloud providers. And the cloud management platform then instructs via APIs to the different clouds to build, either the public cloud or our private cloud. And right now, we can build uh, Linux hosts with storage in about five minutes. Uh, Windows hosts take about 10 minutes to build. And then at the end of that workflow, a message is sent back to the end user saying, here's your uh, infrastructure that's been built. This is how to connect to it, those type of things. So that's that's pretty amazing, right? I mean, five minutes for a host where a lot of companies who are just doing it, quote unquote, the old fashioned way, right? It can be, you know, days, weeks yep. Yep. to get a, a something provisioned because of, well, people bottlenecks. Um, so, it, you know, I had a really interesting conversation at Tech on Tap Live uh, during Insight with a gentleman named Hercule Rabsat with uh, Mansfield Oil, where he said that, you know, as his company went through that transformation, he went from you know his guys spending 70, 80% of their time fighting fires to 30% of their time. Mm -hmm. And being able to spend 70% of their time doing the really forward-looking, right, improving the infrastructure. And you know, is is that something that you're seeing as well, where your 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 people, right, the, the human capital is well more efficient. Yeah, and we've uh, been on a multi-year journey on an IT transformation to achieve what you talked about there. And some of it is because of new technologies like cluster down tap and flexpod and hybrid cloud. 
Uh, some of it's about people changes. We sign proper roles and responsibilities. Stetson mentioned before that he works with the tool service line owner. So inside the storage team, we have clearly defined service lines, which are responsibilities that things we do perpetually, like managing the tools, doing our software on tap and our firmware, managing the hardware lifecycle, those type of things, those are service lines. And we defined those years ago and then assigned individuals, storage engineers, to manage that service line. So it's very clear roles and responsibilities. So people are focused on what they can do, uh, what they need to do to be successful. And then we did other things like uh, P1 RCAs. So whenever we do have an outage, the next day we get everyone involved. We look through what happened, what happened, why did it happen, what are we going to do to prevent it to happen again. So you do those type of changes, not just technology, but you do this process and people changes. That really makes your infrastructure much more stable and then gives you the time to go back and do things like, okay, what are we looking forward to the future? For example, we've just recently, in the last six months, had time. We put a four-year strategy together inside of customer one so we can look at across storage data centers compute hybrid cloud where we're going for the next four years it was we but we had the time to do that it was a nice investment we could make so do you analyze the data from from four years ago and you're collecting it still is that what you're saying no no this is our future four-year strategy ah got it so we have we have 18 months roadmaps we've had those for quite some time of what we're working on in the next 18 months Mm. but we went beyond that now and said okay where are we going to go for the next four years got it and we are it's it's a it's a roadmap it's directional, so where we're going here, things are going to change, but we go back every six months now. My goal is to go back every six months and update it as we go along, but it was nice to have the time. Yeah. Instead of yeah. fighting fires, we could take the time for the engineers and architects to go, think about what you would want to do for the next four years as you see the industry going and technology going. So I've got a NetApp private storage question for you. You mentioned you're using NetApp private storage to connecting to various clouds. The, the Usually, from what I understand of NetApp private storage, the key benefits are usually around security, people not wanting to share their data in the cloud, cost sometimes because it's Hotel California situation where it's cheaper <laughs> to get up That's than a joke it is I to use. get down. Yeah. <laughs> what is NetApp's reason, other than using our own technology as part of our call, but is there a reason or a key benefit that you're seeing using NetApp private storage? Yeah, so just as an IT manager, the data fabric resonates with me a lot because it prevents vendor lock-in. And the joke I like to tell is Hotel California, you can come in, but you can never leave, (laughs) is that once that cloud provider gets your data, you're pretty guaranteed that you're going to use their compute for a long time, and they're going to make it hard to get your data out. So as an IT manager, I want to use the hyperscaler's compute because it's really cheap, it's really efficient, I can spin it up and spin it down, I can pause and do all sorts of things, but I don't want to move all my data in there and then beholden to that cloud provider. And then also with NetApp Private Storage, it increases my flexibility. Right now, we, we've had Amazon connected to NetApp Private Storage for a good year now, and we just recently connected Azure also. By the way, same HA pair, NetApp Private Storage, <laughs> and Equinix, just two different 10-gig links to the different cloud providers. So same data center is, is has Amazon and Azure in the same data center? Well, it's essentially... Or it's, near. <laughs> it's, it's near, yeah. So it's in, in Virginia, same Equinix data center for us. That's where our NetApp HA pairs installed clustered on tap but a 10 gig link to Amazon and a 10 gig link to Azure. So now, because we control the data still, we can, if I haven't done it yet, but I want to be able to switch cloud providers. Let's do it today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, give me a couple <laughs> But yeah, but exactly, but that's what we want to do is say, something goes on with Amazon. It, people say pricing, but the pricing usually stays the same between those. It could be other reasons, could be contractual issues, could be changes in strategy, could be capabilities. You just, we have a cloud decision framework that we go through to determine, based on some business and technology questions, what is the right cloud to go to? Those decisions may change. We may say, hey, you know, that's, that application really shouldn't be in Amazon anymore because of some business decisions. Maybe we should put that in Azure. We can switch that over because all you got to do is build the VMs in five or ten minutes, mount the storage, and you're up and running. Um, so that, that brings you flexibility and prevents the vendor locking. Because if you had to move all your data from Amazon to Azure, that could take a while and be oh, difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah. So as, as an IT manager, the, the fabric really resonates with me because I get the best of the cloud without the Hotel California effect. Mm. So what, what type of applications do you see deployed inside of that, that hybrid cloud environment? Right now, uh, so the metaphor we have for our hybrid cloud is uh, it's just gone, it's our uh, internal startup company that's just gone public. So uh, my job, the, what happened was we, a couple years ago, the hybrid cloud team was given some money and people by our boss and said, okay, go build a cloud. And they did a great job. They were very much an internal kind of IT startup and that they got a cloud up and running and they got some applications on it great. And as we were looking through it uh, that last few years, we were saying, well, where do we see the industry going or where do we see NetApp going? It became clear that the hybrid cloud was going to be the future. So about nine months ago now, the hybrid cloud team moved to customer one, my team, because if I wasn't customer one, I would be traditional enterprise class infrastructure. So my job now with my team as owning the hybrid cloud is to mature our startup, which has just gone public, but mature them over the next two years into an enterprise class service. So what we have running right now in the hybrid cloud are uh, small tools, departmental websites, internal uh, websites and stuff like that. We don't run things like SAP or ERP yet. But my goal is to mature hybrid cloud from a governance perspective, a process pr perspective, an engineering technology perspective. So in two years, we can run critical applications in the cloud. And, and Stetson, so from a, a storage architect perspective, do you see the hybrid cloud, do you see NetApp private storage changing how you do those designs, those architectures in the future? As, as we mature into running more critical applications, I would imagine that we would have to have a better representation of the different service levels in, in the cloud or, or, or in, a net, in NetApp private storage. But there's one interesting thing or key thing that does not change at all um, regardless of which premise you use, which is on-command insight. Um, on-command insight discovers NetApp storage or any storage anywhere as long as there's IP access to it. So, so on-command insight is, is playing a, a very integral role for us in the industry, in the, the NetApp data fabric story. I, I, I see a theme developing here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a great story. I, I honestly, I, I really think that we need to have a full hour conversation on on-command insight. I think it would be worth it. Yeah, I, I'd love to uh, uh, get Don Bork and, and maybe Stetson in here. And Don, that's yeah. who was at VMworld. Yeah. I said Mike earlier. Yeah. It was Don. Have yeah. a uh, conversation with you guys about you know all the great things that are inside of OCI. Yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. Well, we are running short on time, so I'd love to ask before you guys take off, what is sort of on your roadmap? You said earlier that you had a roadmap. So what, Mike, is actually on the roadmap for IT? So uh, in specific, in our four-year roadmap that we just put together, we look at each tower, and then we try to mature the tower's technology and services throughout the next four years. So where are we going with the data centers, particularly with the cloud coming on? Where are we doing with storage? Where are we going with compute and stuff like that? Uh, for example, like in compute and storage, all virtualized. Uh, and my, my two principles there are all virtualized and all transparent. So what I, my goal is right now is inside the data center, we can be transparent from an application perspective, either on the storage and cluster down tap or at the compute letter with vMotion. I, I want to do that inside the entire data center, not just contained to a cluster. That'll take a couple years. Then I want to do that beyond data centers. So we can move workloads and data anywhere between our hybrid cloud, and it's completely transparent from an application perspective. So that's one of the principles we have. Overall, all that is going to be, as I mentioned before, the hybrid cloud. So as I said, my job is to mature our hybrid cloud team over the next two years to an enterprise class service, because what I'd like to do is that would be then the primary way we deliver all infrastructure for NetApp IT. So right now we have our traditional delivery process, which is somewhat automated. We can build hosts in about a day, and that's one of the SLAs we have to do it in under a day. Um, but it does take, some of the build is automated, but it does take a build team to do some final touches. Sure. Uh, now what we want to do is over the next two years, we can mature the hybrid cloud process so that 
we can not have to leverage a separate build team anymore. And then anyone who comes to us for infrastructure, whether it's inside or outside of IT, it goes through the hybrid cloud process because it's become mature enough to run critical business applications. Just on demand. Just on demand. Uh, we, you can spin up whatever infrastructure you need as long as it meets some uh, principles, like it has to be virtualized. The entire process has to be automated. One of the principles we have is we, if we're adding new capabilities to our hybrid cloud, but we can't automate the end-to-end -end delivery, we don't add it yet. We have to take st step back and say, okay, well, how long is it going to take to actually automate that? For example, we just added load balancing as a service to our hybrid cloud, but we wouldn't release that to our end-user portal until we could automate it end-to-end. -end. So that's one of the principles we have to do is, is that we don't want to take what we have in the existing environment, which is mostly automated but not completely, and move to the hybrid cloud. We want everything automated there. So that as we're going over the next couple of years, we're maturing the hybrid cloud and we're building that into an enterprise class service. So then we can move our workloads around transparently, regardless of the critical aspect of the application. So things like our exchange environment or our ERP environment or SAP environment, those someday may run in the hybrid cloud because that's the way we do infrastructure at NetFIT. And nobody will know the difference. No one will know the difference because we, we've matured it to an enterprise class service and hopefully with the technology growth over the next few years that we uh, attain that transparency we want anywhere, wherever we happen to put the workloads. Fantastic. All right, well, thank you for coming, both of you. But before you guys take off, if you could share with us, uh, can we get in touch with you anyway uh, on Twitter? Are you guys uh, are you guys on the social media? Are you tweeting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I think the best way for customers uh, is netappit.com. Okay. It's, it's a public website uh, that NetApp and NetApp team, Stetson's team, uh, supports. And our contact information, including my contact information, is on there. Fantastic. Yeah, and I also want to put in a plug for uh, the blog post that these guys do on the uh, Community Technology blog. Uh, there's some really, really great information on what these guys are doing and uh, just some of the behind-the-scenes, right, behind-the-curtain stuff that happens inside of their organization. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and Stetson, sure shout-out shout to Stetson for sure for that because he's, he's, he's doing IT, but then he also does all the executive briefing centers, and yet he's also blogging, which is uh, <laughs> yeah. certainly not in his job description, but you know that passion is just oozing out. And So thanks for all you do, man. Yeah, Pleasure. so, and in the show notes, Stetson, I will put uh, your Insight sessions, and we'll make sure and, and get a link in there, because people, you know, after Insight uh, Berlin is done, people will be able to go in and watch those recordings and check out that stuff, so. Awesome, thank you. All right, gents, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That was really cool. It, it, it really is really cool, right? The things that they're doing over in Customer One are, right, they exemplify the data fabric. Yep. Right. They've implemented hybrid cloud. They're the ones who are pioneering all of this for NetApp. And uh, they're gracious enough to also be a, our test bed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, as, as they said, they're the first ones to implement production code, whereas engineering is implementing right, the, the early, early builds of that code. Um, but they're, they're also they're willing to take risk. Yeah. Uh, controlled risk, of course, like any enterprise, because they are the ones who are running the business apps. But uh, it really proves a lot of the things that we've been talking about, you know, at Insight, at all of our other conferences that we go throughout, go to throughout the year. It, it's all proof points. So, yeah, those guys are fantastic. I, I'm looking forward to getting them on uh, some more and hearing some more about what they're doing inside of NetApp IT. Yeah, my favorite part was when he was literally talking about moving the, uh, the different cloud providers using NetApp private storage and just doing the switch and actually doing that here inside of NetApp. That, that, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, I... Uh I didn't make the interview itself, but I, I, I know based on the email conversations I've had since we've had that talk that we've got a whole bunch more of that content coming. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to stay real tight with Customer Zero, Customer One, 
uh, and, and moving forward, we'll, we'll keep connecting these guys with our listeners yep. uh, so that, that you guys don't have to learn these lessons, right? We're learning them internally. We'll just go ahead and connect you directly to those people, and you can, you can hear it directly from the horse's mouth. This is what we are doing ourselves. Yep, and if you have a question for the IT team here, Customer One, go ahead and send us an email at podcast.netup.com, and we'll make sure that we incorporate it into the next edition of the Customer One interviews. Yeah, I'm sure Stetson would love to come back on and uh, – he, he loves talking about all that stuff. Right? I, I see him regularly in the EBC, and uh, he does a fantastic job. Yeah, he's very passionate. He's awesome. So, Glenn, uh, we were at Insight last week, and you had an opportunity to round up the NetApp A-team. Yeah, we had... Um We'd originally had this idea uh, that that you know our our plan going into last week was we were going to do these daily recaps and then we we round out the the week by getting all the A team together and we just sit them in a room and and say all right guys what'd you think and we just get out of the way and let them talk due to the amount of other stuff that we had going on uh, yeah <laughs> we, we we didn't actually get this this interview up last week um, but we did get it captured uh, and it was captured directly after the show ended so. You know, this is this is fresh on their mind. They they just walked out of the last session. Now let's sit down and and kind of do a recap. We do need to apologize ahead of time. I had a technical glitch at the very end of this interview, uh, so you you may hear like all of a sudden the audio quality just goes away. Uh, it's because the add-on mic I was using to record just died, and and the device went to its internal device. So you know, apologies. It's at the very very end. Uh, but other than that, I think it was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, awesome. All right, let's take a listen. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Glenn Sizemore in place for the irreplaceable Pedro Arrow, who is currently sitting about six feet away from me, editing like a madman. We're recording this at Insight 2015. The show just ended, and boy, we've got a treat in store for you tonight. Uh, Andrew, how are you holding up, bud? I'm good. I got to bed at a decent hour, three nights in a row. So I'm feeling great. My sessions are done. Great participation, great feedback. So nothing to complain about for me. Yeah, you know, we could sit around and, and, and do what we, we normally do, which is just kind of summarize our own thoughts. But we have kind of a unique opportunity here today. Uh, at, at our disposal, we were able to get in touch with the amazing Sam Moulton, who connected us with her team of absolute rock stars, the NetApp A team. So instead, what we're going to do tonight is I'm just basically going to be a microphone holder, and we're going to let these guys uh, be the judge, right? We're going to let the, the A team be the judge of Insight and just give us the, uh, their honest feedback. What worked? What didn't work? What are they excited about? What got them, you know, what, what, what was cool? All that, that sort of stuff. What do you think, man? I think that sounds fantastic. I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing from Yumi and Pete because, yeah, we've had a lot of content this week. So, Let's hear from from our advocate team, right? Let's hear from these guys who lived through, they went through, they participated in in Insight from a whole different perspective. I guess the the only natural place for us to start this conversation is with the Godfather herself. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Glenn. Thanks so much for asking. Voice is a little raspy, but I've survived the week. So give us a a high-level overview of what these guys have been up to because they've been absolutely everywhere this week. They are everywhere and uh, they are awesome. This is our third year, our third insight with these guys and each year it gets a little bigger, a little better. We had 17 attendees this year from the team and uh, as a matter of fact, I signed on a new guy, Taylor Riggin at the Geek and Greet 
Did I say it right? No, I didn't. It's greet and geek. Yeah, I, 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 I can't seem to get that right. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. To, to me, that just says that we named it incorrectly. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, we had over 400 and what, 15 people attend that thing. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. No, the event was a lot of fun. Awesome. And I didn't have to do a thing because the wonderful people in NetApp University put it all together and uh, made my life very, very easy. Uh, so we, um, let's see, we started the week with just getting together for a dinner. And uh, of course, there were some beverages and uh, socialization, and then uh, we kind of kicked it off with one of the biggest highlights of this entire week was having uh, the benefit of getting some reserved space for the A-team during the general sessions. I mean, oh, yeah. That was big. They had uh, tables where they could tweet away like crazy like they like to do, and it was actually Dan Barber who had made that request last year, and uh, my manager, Kathy Gadecki, she pulled it off, and it was just awesome that we were given that kind of recognition. Next year, I've already talked to Roger Anderson about this, he's gonna have to mention the A-team on stage, but you know, one, one step at a time. And uh, so let's see, the other things that were happening, the guys did some tweet chats uh, for the social media team, and they did some Tech on Tap live videos uh, oh, yeah, which, they did. Yeah, uh, which went really well. And uh, last night was pretty cool at the, uh, the event with um, Train. And I think we all had a good time there. It was great to be in the Veeam cabana. And I, um, I'm going to share something. I did tequila shots for the first time in my life and survived it. Well, there's an accomplishment. I know, right? I know. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet... Where, as a matter of fact, where did he go? I got to meet our Australian member for the first time. Um, he had not uh, been able to attend the last tech field day that we had out in Sunnyvale, so it was really nice to meet him. And I almost convinced Dave Hitz to shave his head for St. Baldrick's. I'm lying about that. I wasn't even close. I <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I think um, all in all, it was a great event. I think I think the guys got a lot out of it. I think. We got a lot out of them, and uh, next year I'm already looking forward to it. Uh, well, wait, let me just back up a second. We'll be in Berlin as well. So uh, one of the other uh, highlights of the week was the luncheon that the A-Team hosted for the press, the international press, who attended Insight, and uh, they had an opportunity to sit and talk to them and share their perspectives on what it was like to be a, um, a NetApp advocate, a partner, and uh, I think that uh, we could see some ink, never know. Dan met separately with Joe Kovar from CRN, so let's see what happens. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for putting this together and, and for continuing to grow this group. Uh, I don't know where you find them, but every time you pull someone out of thin air, they turn out to be an absolute rock star. I am very fortunate. I, it, this, is, this is a dream come true for me because it's not even, it's not a job. It's, it's just a blast. These guys are great. So. Um, looking forward to growing, uh, growing the team a little bit. We like the size we're at, but you know, there's always. Whenever I find a good guy out there, yeah. Oh gosh, and it would be so nice if I could find a good girl. Yeah. Some girls, you know. Come on, you got to be out there. You know, contact me. You know, get. You know, ping me on Twitter. Send me an email. Do whatever, but let me know that you're out there. We wanna. We need to. We need a little diversity here. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sam. Thank I, you, Glenn.
I guess it's time to kick this thing off. So in the interest of time, because this group is entirely too large for us to be able to uh, do the name to a face thing, I'm going to go around the circle. Everyone's going to introduce themselves, and then we're just going to kick this off and have an open conversation. What do you guys say? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's get into it. At DNC Barber. JK47, The Weapon. Fresh Darov. At Michael Cade, one. I'm Andrew Sullivan. I'm new to this company. <laughs> Sockeyes, 5-1. At Chris Mackey. Dave Brown, 1969. NFS Dude Abides. At Sam Moulton. All right. So now that we, we know the players in play, I'll let the listeners at home try to guess the voice. Let's go ahead and kick it off. What, give me something that's cool. Give me something that got you guys excited this week. So, snap mirror to everything. So, being able to go from Faz to E-Series, Faz to Ultivolt, Faz up into Cloud on tap. It's all, it's all good stuff. It's really good this week. This week. That, that, uh, anybody else agree with that? Yeah. yeah. Let's not forget about the facts. Basically, snap between cloud providers like Azure to Amazon, back and forth with ease. It's definitely an interesting play to see Snap Mirror to the Altivault because it's really growing that product line up. Even though it's it's essentially in its third or fourth generation through the acquisition, yeah. it's finally there. Yeah. Well, interesting. So when you say finally there, was the fact that it was just a, a, a SIFS or NFS target, in your opinion, holding it back, and it needs yes. that that first grade uh, storage storage array replication protocol? Absolutely. Anyone can present out SIFs or NFS from any dumb box, but when you can actually replicate your, your enterprise storage uh, either direct from your FAS or from your other devices straight into it, not needing an external handler like a backup software, I mean, it, it's definitely going to help for data management, for uh, consistency of backups. From, from my perspective, the, the thing I thought was coolest was uh, Neto's demonstration on stage there, um, the numbers, and it was just amazing. Um, I love NetApp. What is your last name? From Brazil. From Brazil. No, I, I, just, I just think it was very effective how he put that together, and I think the response from the crowd was great, and um, I'm, I'm glad he had that opportunity. Yeah, go figure. When you get a guy who does proof of concept demos for a living and you ask him to do a proof of concept demo, he's capable of crushing it. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, what did the rest of the group think about that demo? Um, I actually caught up with uh, Neto from Brazil. Uh, after that demo, we were walking together down uh, to another place in the conference center and asked him, you know, how fun was it for you to put that together? He's like, are you kidding me? a million IOPS, you know, oh non-disruptively. I mean, he was like, it wasn't even really work. Um, you know, he was having a blast. And, and uh, I, I think just he exemplifies the passion that we all have for NetApp. But even beyond that, just the, the technology of it was cool. We certainly need to bring the, uh, the CPOC graphite interface over to the FAS for everybody who's listening. That needs to happen like tomorrow. All right, go ahead, write that down. We got one. We we got one so far. Let's keep going. <laughs> what else? What else? Come on, you guys been here all I'm week. Gonna, Give- I, I'll do another one. I <clears throat> I'm really excited about the advancements that are being made with uh, the FlexRay architecture with E-series. When we talk about E-series and dynamic disk pools, every time I'm with a customer and I talk about that, 
their eyes just light up. They love the idea of DDP. They don't want to manage raid groups. They don't want to have to buy a whole lot of things all at the same time. FlexArray with E-Series gives us the, you know, near single pane of glass management across multiple kinds of arrays. And when you put Snap Mirror in with that, it's just going to be, uh, it's just going to be dynamite. So I've already got three or four uh, customers that I'm already thinking about where I'm like, okay, we can do this here. We can do this here. We can do this here. And I think it's going to be a really cool setup uh, uh, this year. Okay. Outstanding. Outstanding. What else we got? Give me something else. Let's keep it going. Um, well, it wasn't really an announcement, but the last general session with the 3D Robotics guys and how they showed the drone technology and the cloud integration with it, I fly drones. So I was watching that going, man, this is just amazing how much stuff these things actually do. Um, and then immediately following, obviously, Dave hits, right? Yes. That, was, that was hands down one of the best things I think I saw all week. That guy is a phenomenal speaker. And just the way he presented things, he had the one quote, um, if it wasn't for, and I'm going to get it wrong, I know, but if something isn't like five or ten, I can't remember. Yeah, it, was like five it, it was ten years. If something isn't a thing for ten years, then it's not a trend. trend. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that really makes a lot of sense. You think about it, you have all these like trends that happen in such a short time. You have trending on Twitter, and it's just something that comes and goes. But to really make an established impact on something, you have to have the time behind it. And I, I think that really hit a lot as well for me. I had a great time with that, that particular session. Sounds like the day three keynote so far was the, the big hit. Is that, uh, is that a bit of a consensus as I go around here, the group? The big hits. The big hits. I like it. I like yes. it. I like it. I mean, day two was, was quite amazing as well. I mean, the, again, watching, I, I was trying to capture on my phone while um, Nato from Brazil was doing his demo the actual drag and drop motion, and I got close, but the idea of dragging and dropping from Azure to AWS is just mind-blowing. You know, it, you, you can't do that. Well, you can do it as it turns out, but that's what's awesome about it. So just thinking about that and thinking about being able to fail over between clouds, no matter what size your workload is, in five seconds changes the whole idea of uh, DR and um, active active sites and business continuity there's a lot of things I have to go back and rethink so what would a concept like that be called what would you call that concept of being able to access your data from anywhere any cloud you call that the data fabric holy yeah. crap <laughs> holy crap there you go fantastic data fabric. I set data you up fabric. you knocked it down knocked it down you know what, it, it, we joke, but, uh, you know, talking to people after the fact, uh, unfortunately, I had a conflict, and I actually had to miss that one. I didn't get to see that live. Uh, yeah, yeah, the one to miss was the one that you didn't want to miss. Talking to people after the fact, there, I'm told that there was a sense in the crowd uh, that, that people kind of did a collective, wait a minute, maybe this isn't marketing. Mm -hmm. That looks kind of real. Yeah, does, 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 uh, does that jive or, you know, am I make, you know, keep me honest, guys. I work yeah. for NetApp. You don't. Uh, it, it's definitely a great message. And if we look back to events of the past, there's been companies that put all their eggs in one basket. Code spaces or others where one issue with one provider took the company out of business. Yeah. If they had anything else, NetApp private storage, if they were using cloud on tap, they would still be around. All of their customers would still have their data. But 
they weren't using NetApp. They were just putting everything in AWS, no protection besides Glacier, besides S3 snapshots. And it doesn't matter if it's two different AWS data centers, it's still one basket. Yeah, it's one credential. And that's the part that terrifies me. Yeah, so if you can span your data between your private data center, your, your NPS, to a cloud provider, I mean, NetApp has your back. All right, let's keep it moving then. Justin, you look like you got something on your mind, man. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you've been following or you listened to the general sessions, but they mentioned that there was a live demo going on in Insight Central, and I was helping to run that with some other guys like Mark Waldrop and Mike Worthen. Um, what we were actually doing was a live demo of something coming in the near future, possibly, that we can't talk about right now, but we can talk about maybe later on, maybe at the next Insight, if you want to come to that. But we got over 400 people by that booth this week. I mean, it was insane. It was always crowded. People were really excited and interested to hear about it. So uh, keep your eyes peeled and ears open for what's coming up down the pipe. So you're really not just not going to tell them? I can't. I like working here. Yeah, you know what? Uh, good, good call. Good call. Go with that. That's a much better idea. <laughs> you, know, you know, Justin, I also heard that uh, there was a special guest at Dan's session today. You, you wouldn't happen to know anything about that, would you? So I hear somebody showed up late to Dan's session. They walked in, they sat down, and what, what session was? It was the, the Flash session, right? And it was ridiculous, and it was, it was actually the Flash. Like, he was just sitting there, he was enjoying the session, correcting them when they were telling things that weren't quite right, because, you know, he's the Flash, he's the expert. So, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, he was kind of a jerk, but um, other than that, I mean, it was great. You know, this guy was this guy was here to support NetApp and, and everything they're doing with all Flash. So, man, I wonder if Flash drinks with Power CLI, man. What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm sure that happens somewhere at some point in time. That uh, Flash and Power CLI, man, have have gathered in the same place and swapped war stories. Yeah, probably something to that. Probably something to that. All right, all right, all right. So uh, let's let's get down to to, to maybe less. Um, because not everything can be world-changing, right? So there's an evolution to uh, enterprise IT, particularly in data storage, where, where we have to chew on problems for very long times before we can figure out you know, what, what, uh, how to do something correctly is probably the best way to put it. So give me something that, that you learned this week or that, that was announced this week that's been kind of a long time coming that, that you've been waiting on and, and you have immediate applicability within your own install bases and customers. One thing I thought was cool within the Insight Central was Cisco was showing off a, a new way to, I would say, rapid deploy FlexPods. So on the back of a UCS director, there, there's basically like a workflow, which can definitely get out the door FlexPods faster. And I thought that was, that was very creative that they're going through with that. Sort of is in line with NetApp's push for the easy system install or system setup tool. Uh, Big Easy as it's sort of called sometimes. So. Uh, definitely the vendors are taking to heart some of the pains from the past of deploying these systems and, and thinking, how can, how can we get it into place faster? Yeah, for sure, for sure. FlexPod auto-provisioning is hot. Absolutely. Yeah. What else we got? You know, 831's out the door. We've got Storage Grid. We've got AltaVault. So this is uh, certainly a less uh, sexy addition, but something that I've been looking for a lot as a, a pre-sales solution architect and that is you know the transition advisor that's in the my auto support website so i spent some time with 
the people that work just on the website, uh, you know, for support. And uh, we, we don't think about those things very much, but for me, being able to rapidly uh, engage a, a tool that automatically tells me what things are compatible, what things aren't compatible, helps me to scope work out uh, more accurately and turn it around a lot faster. I don't have to send out an engineer to go install the seven mode transition tool and collect data and, and do all this other stuff. Uh, I can really put it out there and, and I can give them an accurate statement of work on what it's gonna take to transition cluster data on tap. And uh, that for me is, is uh, a really awesome advantage, I guess, that I have that I don't have with other storage vendors that I, I do have to sell. Oh, okay. I, you know, that, that's, the, that, that's the interesting thing, right? You know, it's, it's so easy up on the ivory tower to lose, to lose touch of where the, the, little, the little pain points turn into giant hurdles. And, and sometimes you just don't know that, like, that, hey, look, you think this is a little problem. It's not a little problem. It's a big problem. And it just takes people speaking up, right? Andrew, you had a question you wanted to ask the group. I did. So uh, we've all been to a number of trade shows, right? I think I'm on my fourth or fifth one this year. So what did you guys think of Insight? How did the team do? How did the Insight team handle the conference itself, not just the, uh, the sessions and the tech? How was it? So I haven't been to any other oh. shows apart from the European shows, so the Insight one. So I've probably been to all of the Insight apart from the first. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this show in Vegas is just amazing. A lot bigger, a lot better, you know, amount of people. Um, so what I gained from this week is just immense. I want to talk like that. He has a cool accent, Glenn. Are you finally done editing tonight's podcast? Yeah, I just finally finished editing the podcast. I'm about to pass out. Okay, well, get, get ready, because you're about to edit this one, too. Overall, the conference was fantastic, as usual. The, uh, the access to the, the engineers and the, the coworkers and industry peers is just amazing and it doesn't happen anywhere else all right uh, I, I thought it was a phenomenal conference um, the the sessions were top-notch uh, insight central was phenomenal they had all the NetApp people out there that you would want to talk to uh, they also had all the partners you can go talk to uh, figure out different solution options for your customers as needed and what I love about insight is it's, it's a big conference right there's a lot of people here but NetApp really tries to go out of their way to make it more of a, almost like a family environment. You guys really embrace everyone that comes to Insight and is like, come see our stuff, hang out with us, do stuff with us. And it just makes it a more fun and exciting environment, I think. Some conferences, I mean, they're all like, hey, here's our stuff, and there you go. And you have to maybe fight to try and get information or whatever. I go to talk to like a meet the engineer, and that guy's like, I got a whiteboard, here we go, let's go, right? And it's just a very open environment. I always love coming to Insights. Good stuff. Yeah, Glenn, I'm going to piggyback on that one because, and I won't mention any other trade shows uh, specifically, but I, we've got a lot of friends in this industry, and I have to say pretty candidly that a lot of those friends and uh, you know people in this industry, they go out of their way to avoid customers <laughs> in many ways because it's just so crazy and busy, and there's just not that personal touch. And, and that is definitely one thing that I've seen and heard from our customers about NetApp is that it's very much a, a company that's, while it's humongous and getting bigger, it's still like a small and close family. So I, that's one of the best things about NetApp, in my opinion. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that was one of our key takeaways uh, last year at Insight, right? Transparency and candor. That, that, that's what we were shooting for. That was our goal internally, and you know, I, I think we did pretty good. You guys are making this way too hard. I'm, I just got to say, on my now fifth out of eight conferences this year, I'm happy with the food. 
Did anybody have lunch down there these past couple of days? They did an awesome job with the food. I have not eaten at all this week inside this trade show. Oh, I got nothing for you then. Okay. Who ate the food? Was the food good? I don't want to see pasta and chicken for months. The box lunches, the box lunches were some of the better box lunches that I've had. No, don't you say that. Those things were terrible. (laughs) The brownies were barely edible. All conference food sucks. This is true. Cookies. Well, well, well let me say lunches. this: the media lunch food was phenomenal. No, it was. <laughs> oh, I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it's pasta and chicken. It's because it scales. Pasta and chicken scale readily. Have you seen the size of a chicken? They're that big. Filet does not scale. They don't scale. They're, <laughs> they're about a foot and a half large. Well, really yeah, but there's a billion of them, right? We're talking about a problem. Oh, scale out. Doesn't NetApp have some tools to analyze food consumption? We have like, chicken data. That, that, that would be an interesting data. thing to look at. Chicken on tap? Chicken on tap. Yeah. So we need something like that for next year. Um, yet again, Andrew, you drove us straight in the ditch. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get around, because your first question was a great one. Um, so the biggest thing for me, coming to both Vegas and I get to go to Berlin, lucky lucky for that, thanks for that, long days, long nights, um, is actually getting FaceTime with the TMEs, um, product managers, being able to actually speak to them about new stuff, existing stuff that I just didn't know about, or um, yeah, just getting FaceTime with them, networking with, networking with peers, seeing these guys, as well, the, the other 18 members. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much my insight. Especially awesome. Me, right, Especially me, right? Especially mum. Especially mum. <laughs> Queen mum. It was my first Vegas, to be honest. I've been on several inside shows before in Europe. And yeah, nothing to compare. So you have a lot to do for Berlin next month. And like Michael said, I met a few people which I knew online that might have been in person here. And my message to you guys will be, you really need to come to Europe more often. So I personally have always found the EMEA shows to be my favorite. And, and, and the, re- the people are the same, actually. The customers are the same. The, it's, it's not, it, I've, do, I've done Vegas too many times. <laughs> Vegas is broken for me. I don't particularly enjoy this city, but uh, Berlin, on the other hand, I love Berlin. So I'm, I'm seriously looking forward to that one. You know, Mr. Gebhardt, I know you're out there listening. Uh, our week was successful. We have not left Mandalay Bay. We've been here the whole time, so that makes it a good week in, in Las Vegas. Oh, my God, you're right. I never thought about that. We cabbed in, and we haven't left this stupid hotel in a week. Well, I will have to disagree with you because I went to In-N-Out Burger twice. There's In-N-Out Burger here? Speaking of good food. <laughs> I'd, I'd take food at this point. Okay. One thing I, I was really appreciative of this year versus past is there's much more space. So I've, I've felt a little bit claustrophobic, especially in uh, Insight Central in past years. Now that there is a much bigger footprint, um, 
we were able to see a lot more small partners, uh, yeah. integration partners, Blue, uh, Blue Medora, and a couple others yeah. that really have cool products, but they might not be only NetApp. Some might be VMware focused or other other products, but they have tie-ins. They have plugins to NetApp, and and many of these, like I saw them, I want to try their products. I want to give them to my customers, see what they think of it. And it really opened up a lot more opportunities than I've had in the past with the big six or seven uh, major manufacturers here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. I'd say um, Blue Medora and uh, NTP Software were two big ones for me that are, you know, they just have a small corner, but um, I, I got a lot of really good um, interaction with them. For me, the thing I disliked the most about this conference was staying at the MGM and, and having to figure out how I was going to get to the Mandalay every day and get back. Yeah, and so a little context on that, Glenn. Um, the majority of the, of the folks that were here this week were in Mandalay Bay, but there was obviously more people than they had room for here, so some people did get pushed yeah. out to the MGM. Sorry, man. That's all right. That's all right. I like the MGM. Uh, the MGM is great because I know it, but, you know, it's, it makes for long days, so... I love That's my right. beautiful upgraded suite at the Mandalay that I talked the front desk into. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no such things for me. What's great about Insight is that it's big enough to get uh, people here, but it's not so big that you don't get time with people. Like I've had so many impromptu conversations. I was talking with Mitch who works with the E-Series and oh, yeah. and Mitch came up and I was said, you know, I want to talk about XYZ and he's like, oh, well, let's just go get Mike uh, feeling and we'll go, we'll go talk to him about it. And then we walk over and, and three minutes later, Mike's right over there, right? So that, that kind of interaction you can't get at a <clears throat> world or uh, live or... <laughs> you know whatever so because there's just too much going on yeah. and so in terms of like I had I had customer meetings I had um, NetApp SE meetings I had um, you know AT meetings I had TME meetings I had certification tests I mean I had so many different things that I could I could never have at a very large very big conference and so I really like the format a lot of insight and I'd say keep it up. Oh, okay. I'll take that any day of the week, that's for sure. Did anyone happen to see Jermaine Systems, the, the booth there? No. So it was right across from our booth that we were doing our demo at and they had this thing called a tough box. And what it basically is, this like little tiny, like like a tough, you remember tough books, like the things you can shoot a bullet through and it oh, still yeah, works. Oh yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, so there's a tough box and they had this video going where they were like, you know, excavators stomping on or whatever it's just like oh this is really tough but it's running on tap edge Ooh. so you know what that means right so we're starting to like see on tap edge out there we're starting to see more of a play in the hyper converged converged infrastructure stuff so i think like putting on a humvee yeah stuff like yeah it, it reminded me of what we used to do with the fast 270s we'd stick them on the back of tanks yeah right yeah exactly because then you come back you snap mirror it Resync the stand there, and it send was, it back out in the field. Yeah, and if it was cheap enough and you blew it up, oh well, right? Oh, wow. I mean, you could. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, Glenn, one of the highlights for me, man, was I went to the. Uh, you didn't go to the party last night, but at the at the NetApp party, I actually ran into a superhero. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're done editing this podcast. No, here, you take this th- dumb thing back. I want your job. Come here. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. Go ahead, get in there. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Glenn, one of the things I thought was pretty cool last night is I know you didn't get to go to the party with us last night, but uh, we ran into a superhero, or a bona fide superhero. Mr. All Flash Faz was there. He was awesome. He looked a lot like uh, our friend Justin, though. Justin, seriously, what were you thinking, man? I mean, you got like, a, all of a sudden I became his photographer too. So I'm sitting there, standing there talking to him and everyone loves this costume that he's in. I mean, head to toe, flash, insane. It was hilarious. And all of these customers kept coming up and we had to take picture after picture. And somehow every person was handing me my phone like I was his handler, taking all those pictures for him. So yeah, that was pretty intense. So I heard there was a job opening for NetApp mascot. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go for it. This is my opportunity, right? This is my shining moment to be the net at mascot. No, but in all seriousness, like last year I had like a Hulk mask. And I was running around just kind of like, you know, get people talking about what the heck is that guy doing? And then, you know, interested in whatever I had to say. So the Flash thing, I was like, man, it really ties into our all Flash Fast story. It's like, why not? I got this costume that I have for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> you mean you didn't buy that specifically for this event? You actually have it at home just ready to go? I bought it. Th- so there's a show called The Big Bang Theory, and there's an episode where Sheldon has discovered coffee, and yes. he puts on the Flash costume. He's just zooming around the room. And after I saw that episode, I'm like, I have to have that costume. Yep. So I go on Amazon, I buy this costume, and it's kind of sitting in my closet for special occasions like um, NetUp Insight. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's right, it's right next to my Batman mask. Um, yeah, what else is in that closet? <laughs> Sam, that's personal. Yeah. All right, moving along. All right, Glenn, take it away. All right, gentlemen, in the interest of time, go ahead and get everybody out of here, get, get you on to the rest of your appointments. Some of you got flights you gotta make. Uh, let's just go ahead one last time, all the way around the circle, I want one favorite thing from absolutely every single person. All right, ready? Hanging out with these crazy guys. That'd be a Jay White session for me. That guy's spot on every time. Networking and spending, spending time with these guys, but also spending it with the NetApp, TMEs, product managers. <laughs> <laughs> I love my boys, and that's with a Z at the end of that. Practicing my accents and uh, making fun of others. Okay. <laughs> uh, having my ego padded by everyone recognizing me finally, I'm there. <laughs> Watching Neto live, and by the way, what was his last name? From Brazil. You mean? Yeah, no, no, literally, his name is from Brazil. We're not kidding. Okay, watching Neto from Brazil. <laughs> for, yeah, for me, it's, it's hearing about all the stuff that's coming down in the future. I'm really excited about the, uh, the direction the app's going. Hey, whoa, whoa, that's a new voice. Who's that voice belong to? We, we had two sneak in on us. I don't know when this happened, but somehow we had some sneakers. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir, even though you've been on multiple times this week. This is Adam Berg. Follow me on Twitter, at AJ Berg. All right. Uh, for me, Will Robinson here. Uh, I was meeting the A-Team guys for the first time. Getting to hang out with them for the week. Twitter handle is at OzNetNerd. Being so busy that I'm going to forget it all. All right. And on that, Insight 2015, Las Vegas is a wrap. We're done. Yeah. Let's go. Awesome. Well, you can tell those guys are super excited. I mean, 
it was great hanging out with them all week. I mean, so much, so much experience coming from different parts of the country, different parts of the world, actually. And so just really good to see different people so passionate about NetApp and sharing their different imp- opinions about, about their takeaway from Insight. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we'll, we'll necessarily follow that format again. Uh, it, was, it was a little <laughs> hectic for me. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, like tw- trying to interview 12 people at once. Um, but uh, the takeaways, I think, were incredibly insightful. You know, you can look across that group of people and, and you can learn a lot about the types of verticals and, and, and what they do. You know, there, there are the, the implementers that, that are very much on the bleeding line and, and, and their feedback to us is, is mostly technical. It's mm-hmm. mostly, you know, implementation details. But then there's also the bars and the resellers and, and, and the consulting guys who you ask them, what's your number one complaint or what's the number one thing you change? Oh, well, your documentation is really hard to find on the website. Yep. Like, wow, that's a really specific piece of feedback exactly you know that but but the overarching feedback i think was was universal which is okay netapp this data fabric thing there's something here yep uh we really like the progress that demo was really impressive keep going you're not done but just keep going you're going down the right path and 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 as as long as we can stay connected to that feedback loop uh, particularly the those strong advocates that that aren't afraid to tell us you know the hard truths uh, I think we'll continue to be wildly successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the most important part. Sure, they're the NetApp advocate team, right? They're selected in order to be, you know, positive about NetApp, but at the same time, they're some of our biggest critics. Oh yeah. Which is probably the most valuable part. That's the way you want it. And you know, I've I've heard some of the private conversations that we have with them about well, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? And they don't pull punches. Nope. And that's one of the greatest parts. Right. It, it really is. And it's a fun dynamic to watch because Sam Moulton, who's just amazing, she runs the she runs the NetApp A team program here at NetApp and she's like a mom to those guys, you know. Like she literally refers to them as her boys and, and you know, she wants more girls in the group. So the plug to anybody out there, the I know these techie women are out there, so please, you know, be part of the NetApp A team if you can. But Certainly, the group is, uh, they're just like a family, an extended family of NetApp, which is just really, for a company that's so big, to have that type of culture to me is just, it, it, it's always so great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Sam, Sam, uh, <laughs> just nothing but credit goes her way. Yep. Uh, she's built it out of nothing, and the, the results speak for themselves. Agreed, agreed. But before we get out of here, Pete, uh, the, the we need to go ahead and, and acknowledge something. Uh, we, we ask for feedback every single week, you know, multiple times. We podcast at netapp.com. Send yes. us your questions. Send us your emails. Uh, you guys have been doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for those of you who, who have sent a, a question in, we've been incredibly backlogged getting through Insight. We're on the other side of Insight now uh, where we are lining up those interviews and finding those those points of contact to, to get in here and get your questions answered. So keep them coming. Keep sending them in, and uh, hopefully we'll start. We'll be able to get back to answering them next week because uh, yeah. we'll have time for it. Absolutely. One I'll answer very quickly that I got over email and also in person while we were at Insight is, is a very simple one, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer that now. Uh, a lot of folks were saying, love the podcast, but sometimes the levels are uneven. And so, yes, I take full responsibility for that, and we're working on getting it more normalized. We've got the software for it. But one of the challenges we've had is uh, some of the guests that come in, they're afraid to get up on these mics. And we've, we've, we've talked about that before. We're getting better at making sure that we can fix that pre as opposed to uh, post. But so yes, please bear with us on the levels. And uh, thank you for sharing that feedback. All right. Well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, as we mentioned, send us an email at podcast.netup.com. Go to techontappodcast.com to see all the episodes and subscribe to us on both iTunes and SoundCloud at Tech on Tap. And until next week, bye for now.
So this is an 18 theme one. Should we start doing some 18 dancing now? Why is it always dancing? Dun, 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 dun. Great. Now we're gonna get fined by NBC. Are you? <laughs> are you gonna be Mr. T? Oh, I pity that fool. What are you talking about? Dad joke. That was pretty corny. Who's 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 the guy who's just like really is it uh, just really, me really handsome and can get out of anything? Oh, yeah. That would be Sully. Uh, yeah, the, the three of us do not qualify for that. We try and say. We try and say. I know my place in the world. Hi, Bobby.